Welcome to Apparently Speaking, the podcast from Northeast Ohio Parent with your host, Miriam Connor. Hi, this is Miriam. Thank you for listening to Apparently Speaking. Sometimes we don't think about things until we need them or oftentimes it's too late. If you have children who have turned 18, you know how quickly that happened and there's so much to do and manage at that changing time that legal documents may not be on the top of your list. But my guest today is here to explain why they should be and what legal documents every parent, an 18-year-old or almost 18, or even if they have turned 18 already, should discuss. John Wood founded Grant Park Legal Advisors, LLC, a Chicago-based firm specializing in probate, estate planning, and business law. His diverse background includes real estate, academic achievements, and wealth management. Wood earned his Juris Doctor from DePaul College of Law in 1997 and was admitted to the Illinois Bar. With over two decades of experience in wealth management, he successfully launched Grant Park Advisors, LLC, bringing his extensive client base with him. Recognizing an opportunity to improve the legal profession, Wood founded Grant Park Legal Advisors, LLC to provide cost-effective, high-quality legal services, particularly leveraging technology to streamline operations. Wood's exceptional expertise is reflected in numerous accolades, including being recognized as one of the top 20 probate attorneys in Chicago, a top 17 Juliet probate attorney by expertise, and one of the top 100 attorneys of 2020 as featured in Top 100 magazine. Sponsored by the all-new Mazda of Kent. Your family's safety is our top priority. And Mazda has more Insurance Institute for Highway Safety Picks than any other manufacturer. So get to your Mazda destination, Mazda of Kent. Check out new Mazda CX-5 crossover SUVs, Mazda CX-30 CUVs, even 2023 Mazda CX-50 crossover SUVs, and U.S. News & World Report awarded Mazda Best Car Brand. Check out their new retail evolution dealership, the all-new Mazda of Kent, mazdakent.com. Welcome, John. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Miriam, for having me. Look forward to yes. it. Yes, I'm looking forward to it too, because I know this is something that I've been putting off <laughs> and uh, my oldest is 20. And so I know right when we're done talking, I'm going to get this done because um, it's something that I remember talking about when she was leaving for college, like, oh, I got to do these. And then it just kind of one of those things. And then my, um, yeah, so I, I know that this is really important and something that a lot of people aren't even aware of. So you're going to talk to us today about, you know, these legal documents. If you have an 18 year old that everyone should discuss with them. Yes, um, so that's something that comes to all parents. We, we raise our children, they're growing up. We, we forget that just because we're parents, when they turn 18, they are now adults and they have all the rights to privacy and all the protections that you and I would have from essentially anybody. Uh, as a parent, we're not allowed to step in then and look at their medical records and make medical decisions for them. Uh, necessarily. So that creates a really a, a gray area at best. And in some situations and in some states, you just, you can't. And then it becomes a whole new situation. When kids are turning 18, they're going out, jumping into the, into the big world on their own. They're, they're stretching their wings. They're learning how to fly. And when you fly, you have a few times you crash. Uh, so some of the documents that I recommend for clients are the healthcare power of attorney. That's an important one. You never know what's going to happen. We all are hoping that our, our children are going to be healthy. No accidents are going to befall them. 
or anything like that, all of a sudden you get that dreaded call. My child's in the hospital. What do I do? And the first thing they ask you is, do you have a health care power of attorney? Hey, we need you to make some decisions. Or uh, your, your, your child's been sick. You now need to help them uh, get the, the insurance to pay. Because most of our children are still on, the, on our insurance until right. they're 26. So all of a sudden, we can't get the medical records sent to the insurance company without getting our children to cooperate. They have busy lives. They're away at college. They're doing 100 different things. And the last thing they'll do is call the doctor's office to say, hey, can you send those medical records off to Blue Cross Blue Shield, for example, right. <laughs> so we can get your bill paid. And so all of a sudden, mom and dad are left here struggling. Healthcare power of attorney solves that issue. You're able to step in then as their proxy, either immediately if they'll go along with it or some kids who are a little more nervous you can set it up so it's what we call a springing power of attorney so it only occurs if they become incapacitated okay. and so and depending on the child and depending on your relationship with that child that gives you a way to work on this uh and help them and help them without invading their privacy if that's a real concern for them so that that idea that it can okay. either be a springing power or an immediate power can be a way to get over kind of that that hump. Okay, um, so what if your child, you know, you know, uh, had something happen? They had some kind of accident or issue, injury, and you don't have that healthcare power of attorney. So you show up at the hospital, hey, you know, and you're ready to, you know, take over um, because the the your child can't, your 18 year old can't, and you don't ha you don't have that. Then what happens? So that can lead to all sorts of issues. In some states, they will refuse to discuss, discuss anything with you because you aren't, aren't the healthcare power of attorney holder. You're a parent. You're at best, you're a fallback. Even in some of the more uh, open-minded states, that I would say, which would say, in recognizing the parents are there to help and they need someone to authorize, for example, a blood transfusion, because uh, that's something we see in car accidents. Uh, but now we have a have a situation where maybe the parents are separated. Well, which one of the two of them can authorize that? And then it becomes it becomes an issue not just for the uh, hospital, but between the two parents. If they don't agree on a course of treatment, who makes that final decision? Now all of a sudden we may end up having courts involved, and decisions that need to need or should be made rapidly are now getting delayed because we don't have someone with the clear authority to authorize that treatment. That's scary. And I think just a lot of parents probably just don't think that way. It's like, well, no, they're, you know, they're 18 or they're just, they're in college and right. They're still on my uh, insurance, you know, that those kind of things you just don't really think about. And then, uh, you know, if something like that happened, that would be a terrible situation. Yeah. It, it, beco it becomes really stressful and it really becomes stressful if there's been a divorce or something like that. That that can can be a huge multiplying factor. Yes, for sure. So healthcare power of attorney. And then what else? You had some HIPAA regulations. Yeah, there's some other things, but I think the next most important one is the durable power of attorney. Okay. Durable power of attorney uh, allows the parent to step in and start taking over some of the financial issues and some of the other issues just in the normal running of your life. Let's say that child has be become severely injured and is unconscious or unable 
to uh, take care of things for a extended period of time, you know, even maybe a week. Uh, all of a sudden, now you have problems with landlord. Landlord won't let you into into the house, into his apartment. Uh, you the school. You try to call the school to get information about their classes, notify so that you can notify the professors that they're not going to be there because they've been, for example, in a car accident, or you know. All of a sudden, there's a problem with if they if they have graduated, maybe moved on with a student loan lender, or their checking account or credit card. The durable power of attorney lets you step in on those types of matters, get access to your to those things, and start paying the child's bills, taking care of those types of issues that that they they would normally take care of on a daily basis, just paying their bills talking to the professors, you know, making sure that the college is aware of their situation if they need extensions or, or accommodations. Now the parent is a legally authorized person to step in on the child's behalf and request those. And that's important. Another area why that becomes so important is, is a lot of our children wanna do that semester abroad. And that's great. I, I, it's something that's fantastic. I, I would always encourage, but while they're out of the country, who takes care of all those things that, that they would have normally taken care of during that, that period of time? That's another situation where that durable power of attorney becomes very useful. You know, just paying the bills, just it, it doing all the normal things. You need to deposit a check. You need, you need to uh, sign off on, on a class change. Something while they're overseas that they maybe can't do themselves, the parent can then come in and sign for it, do it under the durable power of attorney. So that's probably the next most uh, important document. Uh, and there again, that document can either be springing, so it only occurs when they're incapacitated, or it's a document that can take effect immediately. It depends on the relationship that the family has and on how they're going to handle that, whether they want it immediate or not. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure that like some kids would probably say, yeah, that sounds no problem. And other kids might think like, well, are you trying to spy on me, you know, <laughs> yeah. so, but it's not that, but like you said, you have that option of that springing. Yeah, it, it's one of those things. And in my particular case, my son's off to college right now. Oh, uh, he's uh, went there. We had a, a discussion and he signed off on this and we had a, a meaningful discussion about springing versus immediate. And during that discussion, he saw the benefit of having dad having the immediate because mm -hmm. then dad can take care of a few things for him that he yeah. doesn't have to be bothered with that way. Right. So, I'm sure he was like more than happy. In my case, you take was. care of some things for him. And yeah. also, what if so you get these signed and you know, for your son example, and you did the immediate and you have these, how long does this last until it gets changed? Until they're either revoked. Uh, or they're uh, revoked through the issuance of a new power of attorney. So once these are in place, they are documents that will continue on for, for essentially the life of your child, unless he replaces them. And which, again, they graduate, they take that first job, they move across the country, and all of a sudden, you know, the hospital or so, uh, it doesn't know what to do and who to yeah. talk to or the bank or, or the new uh, new landlord and something's happened there. There they have someone that they can legally rely on that person's instructions. Otherwise, they may be in a situation where you you have to uh, 
go and get a guardianship, which is a mm. whole, whole nother legal uh, avenue and can be quite difficult and expensive. And so yeah, these- I was going to say that gets messy. So this yeah. is just much. Now, what about when if someone gets married, does that does their spouse automatically replace or is it still whoever holds this document? So it doesn't automatically replace. It's still whoever holds this document. A spouse will be automatically have a little more deference when you're going into a hospital situation uh, because they become next of kin. And in those situations for notification, but a spouse, again, doesn't necessarily have, have the authority under that would be under a durable power of attorney. And that's something, that's another discussion for the next step in that child's life. Uh, do I mean, when they get ready to get married and are moving forward with that big step, then they should have some basic spousal uh, documents in place to make sure that everything is clear and that there are no questions uh, there. Because I've dealt with couples, uh, in particular young couples, where they're doing that said first marriage, they're just graduated college, they, you know, In this day and age, people are thinking ahead, they're doing a prenup, they're doing all that, and maybe they're not quite ready to turn over access to all their medical records to the person they just married. Most of the time, that's not an issue, but, you know, I have had it where there have been people who question that. So that's another milestone. Just about at every milestone in your life, you should probably review what your uh, estate planning and these types of documents are covering who you've given those authorities to, that can change. You know, if you gave them to a parent years ago and that parent has passed away. Mm-hmm. They, and so that now you should have up, it should update that. You should give it, give it to your spouse so that it's clear who's going to make that decision. There are some very difficult decisions that sometimes have to be made at a young age. Uh, and who's going to make the, those types of end of life decisions, perhaps after a car accident or something like that? Okay, so the healthcare power of attorney, the durable power of attorney, and I'm like, well, maybe I'll just, I, you know, once my kids later get older and get married, I just won't bring these up again. Then I always have it. Just kidding. I <laughs> um, <laughs> know. Oh, those papers? Nah, you don't need to worry about those. Um, so what is, um, is there another document besides those two? There's two other documents. Okay. These documents are, are a little more, an- what I would call an ancillary document. They're supportive. Uh, it's the HIPAA authorization. The HIPAA authorization only gives access to medical records. It's handy. You don't have to sell, send the whole healthcare power of attorney to the insurance company to get the insurance company to talk to you. Going back to the example I gave, your child's still on your healthcare policy, you're trying to get the bill paid, you call to find out where it's at in processing and the healthcare insurer says, I can't discuss it with you, you're not the patient. You send them in the HIPAA authorization, which allows them to discuss the, the, the healthcare or billing and, and medical record needs and stuff like that with them without having to send in the whole healthcare power of attorney. Oftentimes I find the HIPAA authorization will allow you to get a lot of the the, uh, business side of healthcare handled with a a one or a two page document as opposed to having to scan and send in a four or five page document that the healthcare power of attorney. And that's a useful ancillary supportive document. Okay, because even on our insurance, when I go online, my daughter, 
I see that they say, you know, they've made her kind of a set, you know, she has to have her own account, even though it's our insurance. (laughs) Um, So, right. If I didn't have her login information or whatever, then yes, I would have to send, I would get this HIPAA, which is smart to have. um, Like you said. Okay. That makes sense. There's another uh, document. It's called a FERPA release. This is kind of a, this one's more in the educational area. And this is something that some colleges will want to see. They won't honor the durable power of attorney. They'll say, no, that doesn't cover grades, for example, or something. And they'll want want what's called the FERPA release. And there are general FERPA documents. And then each, I won't say each college, but many colleges have their own version of it they want. And this allows the... uh, college to discuss educational issues uh, with, with, the, with the parent. I mean, it could be grades, it could be financial. I mean, it could be, you know, mental health issues. Some of these things that, that occur with children when they're first getting out, and it's difficult. They're having to make this, now life meaningful decisions and stresses and loss of family and support groups. Sometimes we have some mental health issues that the college, you know, should be discussing with you, but they can't because of privacy rights. And that's another document that if, if the college your child is going to requires that, I would definitely encourage you to, to do that. And I would encourage the children uh, as an attorney to go ahead and do that because your parents you know, generally are there to help you uh, and, you're, and, and they're not going to abuse that. That type of a, of a document, but it's a good thing to have happen there because if someone for example, hasn't called home in 30 days and isn't responding to the uh, to the to their calls and things like that, and they could be in depression or something like that, and they really need need, need someone to be able to reach out and say, hey, can you come down here and and uh, you know have a, conf- a conversation with your child, or they or they need a week at home. We'd like you to come and pick them up or something like that. And without those types of releases in place. They can't call you and, and help with those types of issues. You know, that could even yeah, be- that could, That's very scary to think about, you know, like, because like you said, all these changes, things are happening. They're far away for the first time, many of them. And then if there's something going on, you could just be left in the dark. And you will be left in the dark because the privacy laws uh, are such that they do protect the child's privacy. Yeah. And then lastly, I kind of, uh, you know, I encourage everyone to do a will. Okay. Uh, the will is a good idea just because it solves a lot of problems. Your child probably does not have a lot of assets that you're dealing with, but it makes the will will make clear who's going to handle wrapping up if, some, if, if the worst scenario happens, who's going to be able to get access to that Apple iTunes accounts that has a thousand songs on it. Well, you know, you, you, you wanted the other child to have access to it and use it if something happened and they would have liked their brother or sister to have it. Well, without having a will bequeathing some of those things and the access to, to some of those types of things, now you, you have, have other issues. I mean, your social media accounts, who has the authority to go in and close them? who has the authority to close email accounts, uh, gaming accounts, those types of things, deal with the bank accounts. I mean, children today, you know, they may have received a substantial student loan that was part of 
of their aid package uh, to cover them for the whole year. So, you know, it's not unheard of for, for children in college to have $10,000 in a bank account that they're going to be living on for the rest of their life. If, you know, the worst happens, someone needs to be able to go in and, and, and access that, that account you know, pay for the, any of the final expenses, deal with the final issues, and then distribute it the way it needs to be distributed. So, you know, while we definitely with our children don't want to think about that will, it's something we should. But the parents on the flip side should also consider a will. I see that far too often that people put just a basic will off. Your family safety is our top priority. And Mazda has more Insurance Institute for Highway Safety picks than any other manufacturer. So get to your Mazda destination, the all-new Mazda of Kent, mazdakent.com. There's no inventory shortage here. Test drive a new Mazda today. Check out new Mazda CX-5 crossover SUVs, Mazda CX-30 CUVs, even 2023 Mazda CX-50 crossover SUVs. And maintenance is no charge for one year, plus Mazda certified pre-owned vehicles with a balance of a seven-year, 100,000-mile warranty. U.S. News & World Report awarded Mazda Best Car Brand. Come experience our new retail evolution dealership created solely with the customer in mind. We provide a premium experience that customers expect and deserve. Test drive a new Mazda today at your Mazda destination, the all-new Mazda of Kent, where my family shops for cars. MazdaKent.com, MazdaKent.com. Yeah, and I know people don't want to, you know, talk about that, like you said, or especially with your children. It's like, seems like weird. Like, why would I, you know, and yeah, why would you need a will? And those things you mentioned, that's kind of, I mean, it's not new, but newish, all the social media accounts and all of those kind of things that you wouldn't have thought about before. But so you can't just, you have to have that to get that closed. Now you couldn't just show the social media accounts, like the durable power of attorney type thing. It has to be a separate will. So what happens when you a durable power of attorney only allows you to do what that person could do themselves after they've passed in the moment that they pass the durable power of attorney ceases to exist because that person could no longer exercise that power. Okay. So yes, you do need Makes that sense. in addition to the durable power of attorney. Okay. So you'd actually spell out in a will, you know, this person can close these accounts and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, you, you may not have to necessarily spell out the specifics Our, of it, but you establish who's going to be the executor of this. Okay, state. right. And they can do that. And yeah. then they, they can use that then to take the next uh, steps to do any of that kind of stuff that needs to be done. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. That's something definitely I would not have thought about either. Um, so I'm sure you've seen many stories where people don't have these <laughs> documents, you know, the healthcare, the durable power attorney and those kind of things. And just, that's probably just, you have probably a lot of horror stories because the parents trying to get them help and especially, you know, medical help and things like that. And it's just, they can't, or it takes too long. Exactly. You, you, it's one of those situations where you start getting into red tape at a time when you, when minutes count, you know, and it's, it's something where you don't want a, a confusion into who has the authority to say, yes, do this, uh, because you don't want one person saying, 
yes, do that procedure and the other person will say, well, I'm not so sure. There needs to be someone who is a point person who, who is going to make the decision, have the final say in the final decision. So I've seen some things like this floating around online where it's like, oh, you just print them out and sign it and then you're done. I'm going to guess that that's probably not 100% accurate. It, it, it's like everything else. It, it, if you're a reasonably competent person, you could build your own home. You could get the magazines. You could get, get the books. You could go on YouTube. You could learn all the steps from pouring that foundation, framing out the house, to putting shingles on the roof and running the wiring. And it all works good if you followed every step accurately. But you made a mistake in the wiring somewhere and the whole house burns down. And that's the problem with do-it-yourself documents. I, I don't tell people not to use them because there's some people who can use them and it all works out very good. But for example, I had a, uh, a client call me. They'd done their own will and, and their, their daughter had done the will actually for mom. And she was all proud of the fact that she didn't have to pay for an attorney. But now the court was telling her she needed an attorney to probate the will. Went to look at the will. They lived in Illinois where I practiced. And those drop-down menus where you pick the jurisdiction, they had chosen that, that the will was to be governed by law of Idaho. Oh, they no. missed the line when they were, were clicking the boxes. Easy mistake to make. Another situation I had even more recently was that they, they'd done a will. They thought they'd done everything right. They got the two witnesses, just like the statute here in Illinois calls for. Only problem is one of the witnesses was a beneficiary. A beneficiary can't be a witness because they are interested in the contents and the distributions made in the will. Therefore, the will became because of that, there was no longer two valid witnesses. So the, the will went out the window. So, yes, you can do stuff yourself. Yes. But you make a mistake. You have a good argument for not doing it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Some good arguments. It, yeah. Most attorneys will do a basic will rather reasonably. Yeah. It, it, it's because it, there aren't they aren't super complicated documents and and you have someone who who's done enough of these I, most attorneys who say yes i'll do your will they've done enough that they know what to look for that will would be the major tripping points to making the will invalid and someone could call you for example and say i need these four or five documents yes done and that's an easy and a quick thing to get it's a quick thing and you know and it's even one of those situations where some of my clients don't want to come into the office yeah. and if it's especially if it's for the child who's 18 i'll need to talk to the child and say hey you know you're going to be my client because i'm writing these drafts for you it doesn't matter that mom and dad are paying for this uh let's get this we'll get these done and then I can even uh, send the documents, either FedEx or give them a PDF files they can print out and they can have them notarized at their home uh, okay. near them. And they don't have to come into the office uh, or, you know, they're always welcome to come in the office and we do the final signing, make sure everything is, is done. But these are the type of documents that you may not necessarily even have to come into an attorney's office to, to pick up. Okay, I was gonna say, if someone is not near you or they're in another state, for example, can you still help them with these documents? If for, in my example, if I'm an Illinois licensed attorney, uh, so I can do the documents for an Illinois resident. 
and okay. they can send it to them and they can get them notarized someplace else. Got it. It, it becomes more questionable if, if, if let's say a, the parent is a Illinois resident, the child's in, in California and you know we have to worry about you know unlicensed practice of law in states and i would and i would caution both people attorneys and individuals you really want to uh, hire the attorney for that's where that law is, that document's going to be interpreted at so that they don't make a a kind of a uh, a technical mistake okay some states have different some different requirements so you want to hire the attorney where you're a resident at Okay. And it's not necessarily where your child is maybe a, a college student or so, or living. It's where you, right. it can be where you are. Right. Where their residence okay. is. You know, okay. Their, their official resident. At, at okay. Home. That yeah. helps. That helps. Hire the attorney you, your, the attorney you've worked with for years. Got so it. If they're, if they've changed their residency, let's say to Arizona, so they could get in state tuition, find, find an attorney there to, to draft the documents. For okay. It. That's good advice. I have one other question. So my son, I know some other people are in the same situation. He will be turning 18 in the summer, which will be his whole senior year. He will be 18. Mm -hmm. This still would apply if something happened and he's a senior in high school and living here and he had, you know, some kind of medical issue. I would highly recommend it. Okay. The all the same things apply. He's an adult now. You know, in the eyes of the of the courts and in the world, he's an adult. He could even he can get married. He can join the military. He can do. There's a lot of things now that he'll have the ability to go out and do. And one of those things when you become an adult is you get a right to privacy from your parents. Uh, uh, you know, some of us enjoy it more than others, uh, that right to privacy. And, you know, but it's something that it, in most instances, I would say if they're a high school student, they're still at home, you're probably going to have more of a leeway dealing with some of this, but others of it, it's going to depend a lot on who you're, who, who and what the specifics of the situation are. Okay, that's good advice. And I'm going to, you got me going to be moving on these documents. <laughs> so thank you so, so much. If anybody wants to contact you or just find you or any, they have some questions or anything, how can they find that? So we have two different ways. We ha have grantparklaw.com. That's our website. Uh, there's a, a contact form on there. They're more than happy to write me through, through that. Uh, I'm also available at 312-392-0310. Someone wants to pick up the phone to, uh, to call me. Um, if, if they're not from Illinois, I can help point them in the right direction to find an attorney where they're at. If they are in Illinois, I can uh, help them draft uh, the document. Thank you so much for being here. This was super informative and very helpful. Um, I'm going to get on this and I'm sure that it's going to be helpful to a lot of parents that just probably didn't even think about it or like even with me thought about it once and then time got away from me. Um, but you really stressed the importance of getting this done. So thank you so much. Thank you, Miriam. It was a pleasure talking with you here today. Thank you. Sponsored by the all new Mazda of Kent. Your family's safety is our top priority. And Mazda has more Insurance Institute for Highway Safety Picks than any other manufacturer. So get to your Mazda destination, Mazda of Kent. Check out new Mazda CX-5 crossover SUVs, Mazda CX-30 CUVs, 
even 2023 Mazda CX-50 crossover SUVs, and U.S. News & World Report awarded Mazda Best Car Brand. Check out their new retail evolution dealership, the all-new Mazda of Kent, mazdakent.com. Thank you for listening to Apparently Speaking. Listen and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and iHeartRadio. Find the podcast and much more at northeastohioparent.com. Like Apparently Speaking on Facebook and email me at podcast at northeastohioparent.com.